0: All right, let's put another log on the fire. There, that'll make it nice and toasty. Aurora of the Yukon, Chapter 3 Mama, is this really Skagway, Alaska? I didn't know you could call a place a town if all the buildings are really just tents. That's from my diary. Skagway, Alaska, June 17th, 1898. We woke up to find the SS Alpha anchored off Skagway, Alaska. I don't know if you've heard of Skagway. I think the whole world has heard of it by now, thanks to the story of skagway dai and the Chilkoot Trail. The best way to get to the Klondike Goldfields in the Yukon is by either the Chilkoot Pass or the White Pass. The Chilkoot Pass starts at Daii and the White Pass at Skagway. Two years ago, the only people living there were Captain Moore and his family. They had a little house near the beach at Skagway. Then they found gold in the Yukon Creeks and the gold rush started. Thousands of people sold everything and went to the Yukon, hoping to get rich. The poor Moore family had thousands of people camping on their farm. That was the year before we got there. Over the winter, thousands of people had been packing their supplies up the trails into the Yukon. The Chilkoot is the steepest, but the shortest. The problem was that the Northwest Mounted Police were scared that there wouldn't be enough food in the Yukon, so they said you couldn't cross into Canada unless you had a year's worth of supplies. That's nearly 2,000 pounds! That means 40 trips back and forth if you could carry 50 pounds a time. So that's why Skagway and Dye are now the biggest towns in that part of Alaska. When we arrived, there were still thousands of people going back and forth over the passes with their stuff. Plus, there were new people like us arriving every day. Mama's plan was to get the train from Skagway to the Yukon. She pointed at the pin on his suit. I recognized it right away. It was the same pin that Papa's best English friend at the train station in Montreal always wore. The pin had three circles linked together. They were white, red, and blue. The club was called Oddfellows. He smiled at us. I liked him right away. He was a tall man with a gray beard and little round glasses. He had a big belly, but not too big, that stuck out of his suit. He was dressed more nicely than the other men, who mostly wore working clothes. He reminded me of Father Christmas at Mr. Eaton's store in Montreal at Christmas time. Clancy Cicero, at your service, ma'am, he said with a little bow. My mom pointed at his pin again. Papa had always said that it was a good club. English, but still pretty good. They used to raise money for the hospital and help each other if anyone got in trouble. Too bad Papa wasn't a member. Mr. Cicero even spoke a little bit of French. He was very helpful. He whistled, and before we could say a thing, two other men had appeared and were loading our trunks onto a cart. Then we walked up Broadway Street to a hotel, where they said there was room for us. The railway tracks went right up the middle of Broadway, but I didn't see any trains. The hotel was called the Royal Palace Hotel. This sounds pretty fancy, but it was really just five tents with boards laid in the mud in between so you didn't get too dirty going from the front tent to your own in the yard behind. The St. James Hotel was just down the street. It was actually made of wood. Three of the Royal Palace's tents were for people to stay in. One was the office and the fifth was the restaurant. That's what my mom called it, but I heard Mr. Cicero call it the bar. The man who checked us into the hotel was very nice. More friends of the Eagles? he asked Mr Cicero. mister Cicero coughed. No, Jim, I'm an odd fellow. You know that. The man seemed embarrassed and didn't say anything more. We were feeling much better now that we had a place to stay, even if it was just a tent. Mamma tried to ask mister Cicero some questions. His French wasn't very good, so she got me to help too. First Mamma explained our plan to get to the Yukon. By train exclaimed mister Cicero. Why the track is only finished two miles out of town. It won't be done until next year. If you want to get to the Yukon, you'll have to walk over the Chilkoot Pass. Take a boat from Bennett to Whitehorse, cross the rapids, and then take another boat from there to Dawson City. It's almost 500 miles. When I translated this to my she made me ask him again and translate the answer another time. We wouldn't have been more surprised if Mr. Cicero had told us we had to sprout wings and fly over the Chilkoot Pass. Don't worry, ma'am, said Mr. Cicero. I'll come back in a few hours. I'll take you to the telegraph office so you can send a message back home saying you and the kids are safe. My mom was so shocked she didn't even say no when I asked to take Eve back to the dock to throw rocks in the water. Eve and I were throwing rocks and watching all the people come and go when Eve saw a man beside a boat talking to a dog. There were three men in the boat watching as the man squatted and rubbed the dog's head. Rope and a club lay at his feet. The man seemed strange, sad, serious, nervous. You could tell the dog was a special kind of dog. He wasn't a little house dog like Tantra's Finn had. He looked like he was half St. Bernard and half Shepherd. He was big, bigger than me. He was majestic, and there was something in his face that told you he was smart. I think he knew, just like Eve and I knew right away, that the man was about to do something bad. I picked up a stick and said en garde to Eve. Eve caught on right away. He drew his sword and playfought with me to push me back, closer to the man. Suddenly, we could hear the words. "'Look, fellow, the man said. "'I can't take you back. I've only got enough money left for myself.' The dog looked at him, then glanced at me and Eve. In fact, I really need money bad. Suddenly, the man flipped the rope over the dog's neck. The dog jumped back, but it was too late. The rope was tight around his neck, but gosh how the dog struggled. He was so big, the man could barely control him. The dog was like a wild animal, a huge wolf like its ancestors. The man hit the dog with the club three times hard. I had never seen anyone hit a dog so hard before. The dog yelped, and I gasped since I was afraid the dog would be killed. But the dog still barked and tried to bite the man and get away. Quick, shouted one of the men in the boat. Go sell him to Quinlan before he gets away. The ship's leaving in five minutes. The man raised the club to strike again. I bit my lip and looked away. I was waiting for the blow to fall, when suddenly Eve jumped past me. His wooden sword switched through the air and came down right on the man's knuckles. The man yelped and dropped the rope. It was just for a second, but the dog was gone. The man cursed and swung his club at Eve. I gasped as Eve ducked and the club switched by his head. It was so close it knocked off his hat. Eve and the dog ran straight past me. The man chased after, shouting, "'You rascal! I'll have your hide for that!' Even one of the three musketeers needs help sometimes. So as the man passed, I hiked up my skirt and stuck out my leg. The man tripped all over the sand. Before he could get up, I ran off as fast as I could. Something landed near me. A bottle, I think. Probably thrown by the men in the boat. But when I looked back, they weren't chasing us. "'Get back in the boat, you loser!' laughed one of the men. "'The ship's leaving this hellhole in five minutes!' "'Yeah, it's not like you lost money on him. "'You stole him from Judge Miller in the first place,' shouted another. "'The man with the club threw it in our direction. "'We watched as they rowed the boat out to a ship. "'Finally they went up the ship's ladder and just kicked the boat away. "'I guess they really were leaving Alaska.' "'Anyway, Eve and the dog came up from behind some willows as soon as it was safe. "'The dog licked my hand and rubbed his head on my leg. "'Eve rubbed his neck. "'What should we call him?' I asked Eve. D'Artagnan, after my favorite musketeer,' was the immediate reply."